Hello, and welcome to Beatdown, a musical battle royale. I'm your host in a white leisure suit and patent leather shoes, Josh Brunel, and joining me on the podcast this week. He just got back from Studio 54, where he met Mark Rothko, painted with Andy Warhol, and danced with Truman Capote. He's Edward Giordano, everybody. Good evening, Ed. Um, I don't know if all these are true. <laughs> She's all decked out in a drop neck zebra print wrap dress. She's Jennifer Lane, everybody. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening. It's actually though it's actually not a bad outfit for this heat. No, it's not. I mean I can confirm that all those are true. Yes, yes. She gets dressed up for the podcast. It's just a thing she does now. (laughs) And last but not least, uh, from the land of the 2017 NBA champion Golden State Warriors, uh, you know what she wants to do? Strut. Yeah. She's Sammy Higgins, everybody. Good evening, Sammy. Good evening, Josh. I, I I could hear the howling from Los Angeles. You were, <laughs> I was, was crying. It was more crying than anything. Blew else. up Twitter that day. That was pretty <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> well, that is a uh, uh, that's pretty exciting. Um, so, Sammy, we were talking before the show. Do you want to tell us a little about the uh, Giants podcast that you're working on? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really. Um, I'm, I'm more stepping in to cover for the person that's um, hosting it now. Um, I work for I write for two different um, websites on SB Nation. It's their um, the Giants one and the Warriors one, and each site has their own podcast. So I'll just be stepping in to take over the Giants one for a while for McCovey Chronicles. So very cool. Now, are you doing like? Challenge. Do you do game recaps or is it more of like a week round one week roundup? Um, the recaps are the articles every day. The um, the weekly podcast is kind of, you know, themes of the week, any news that came up. I think they do games sometimes. It's been really depressing this year. So, um, you know, I haven't, well, I'm not going to say I haven't listened to it, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's depressing to listen to just because the Giants are depressing to watch. The Giants are having a tough year. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, it's one of the few times where I can be excited uh, about my Dodgers. Uh, because we're kind of crushing it at the it moment. It's doing awesome. For first team to 60 mm-hmm. wins today. So that was exciting. Uh, we'll see how we do after the All-Star break. We'll see. We'll see if the boys can keep it together. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we shall yes. see. Well, uh, that is pretty exciting. You know, we are here for a beatdown where we choose a theme and each of us brings a song that we think is the ultimate representation of that theme. We will present our picks, make our case, and then you, the listener, will vote on who you think brought it the best and reign supreme in the beatdown. This week, our topic is disco. Just the thing for 108 degrees in the valley. <laughs> just polyester. Just the thought of a polyester suit right now is making me sweat. <laughs> I mean, the thought of like late nights in new york mm-hmm. is kind of nice right now getting all sweaty on the dance floor yeah, that, getting that all crazy interesting uh but before we get to that we need to talk about last week our topic last week was songs about independence yes. jennifer brought the church's dark proggy groove reptile and ed celebrated hedonism with tyler glenn's <laughs> trash but uh you just couldn't top the lauren hill classic do up that thing that was my pick do up that thing by Lauren yeah. L. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a ringer. I'll uh, admit, it's kind of hard to yeah. top that song. Uh, but I mean, it's also like if you have the opportunity to talk about Lauren Hill, you kind of mm-hmm. have to. It's a requirement. Oh, yeah. And if you weren't going to take a, you know, a political point of view on the matter, you know, sexual and, uh, you know, social independence is the way to go. So. Exactly. But that was, that was a fantastic song. <laughs> At the end of the episode, we were like, we're in the kitchen and I was humming it. I was like, oh, he won. I can tell he won. There, I have noticed that 
the song that you're humming after the episode I think kind of does tend to win. Yeah. Which is kind of funny when you think about it. Um, well, let's, uh, you know, Sammy, I wanted to ask you, uh, we did Songs of Independence uh, because it was the 4th of July last week. Uh, and of course, everyone I imagine celebrated with barbecues, fireworks, and John Philip Sousa. Uh, Sammy, what was on your radio this 4th of July? Ooh. There's this song by um, Fall Out Boy. I know, Fall Out Boy. They have a song called um, Fourth of July, and I actually really like that song. So that's one I do tend to listen to on the Fourth of July. Ed, I can only imagine that you know this song. Do you know the song Fourth of July by Fall Out Boy? Um, I don't. Hmm. I'm Googling. I'm in mid-Google. <laughs> <laughs> We, uh, I think we were at uh, Jennifer's parents' house, and I think we went to Pandora, and somebody just said, like, play Fourth of July music, and it was just a whole lot of John Mellencamp. That's how they defined it. <laughs> yeah, it that. went real Americana, <laughs> real Middle America, real fast. A lot of Tom Petty. A yeah, lot of like, surprised me. Yeah. yeah, 80s Springsteen, not 70s, 80s <laughs> Springsteen only. A lot yeah. of Born in the USA. Uh, Born in the USA, the song which is actually quite critical. Not yeah, more anti- Yes, exactly. And uh, we take care of our own. Also very critical of that particular thing. Uh, But we're here to talk about disco. Disco was a dance revolution uh, in the 1970s, uh, really kind of based around dance and electronic grooves, kind of the first grand mainstream electronic movement. And a a music style that was really based around camp. And uh, that's kind of, an I think, something that's going to come up in some of our conversations a little bit later. Ed, this was actually your topic. You really wanted to talk about disco. Tell us a little about your connection to this uh, genre of music. Mm. Well, I, I don't know. I didn't suggest it. I just thought it would be a fun diversion from from some of the... Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm into the theme, like themes that are like, oh, this song definitely fits in that theme. Although one can make the argument that I didn't quite do that this week. Uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, but I, I, I mean, I love dance pop in all of its forms. And that disco is just uh, is where it sort of began. Well, maybe not where it began. But yeah, I guess sort of, as you said. I mean, this, it's hard to it's it's hard to divorce like modern dance pop from disco. Mm-hmm. I mean, disco was the first time that we in popular culture we were listening to synthetic backbeats and lots of synthesizers, and that's pretty much you know what modern dance music is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sammy, did you have disco uh, growing up? Was disco in your house? Did you did you have the Saturday Night Fever, the the best selling? I think it's a best selling vinyl of all time. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was. We, I mean, my parents were teenagers in the '70s, so yes, I was very familiar with disco. When you told me we were doing disco this week, I had a list of about twelve songs I had to narrow down. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's a Jennifer. I know disco is kind of your weakness, it as is. we talked about it's, before. It is kind of funny because, well, okay, so yeah, I'm uh, really prominent in the mid 70s to early mid 80s I guess and um, there was just something really fun about it it was just you know the, uh, the 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 beats were so fun you know there was a time you know my girlfriends would be dancing or you know like practicing to go to dances and stuff like that and um, it's just it's just it makes you feel it makes you move it's it's just a fun it's a fun music to listen to it's true i mean disco disco was kind of um uh shall we say immune 
to at some point every genre of music gets injected with some form of social consciousness Mm -hmm. and with the exception of maybe staying alive by the Bee Gees which nobody recognizes as being a song about social consciousness Mm -hmm. though it is if you're three really tall Australian dudes um it was it was really a a style of music that was just based around kind of fun and Mm -hmm. dancing and cocaine right They, they didn't it wasn't it wasn't meant to be thought of too right deeply. right and and just you know also to prepare I did a little bit of digging you know to see specifically how it's designed and I see you're looking at the same page that I was but some of the things that really stuck out for me is you know how it contains elements of funk soul pop pop and salsa and I love funk and soul and you know pop is something you know everybody can relate to at some point in their lives and salsa but one thing that never struck me is um again it's just from wikipedia but it uh disco was viewed as a reaction against both the domination of rock music and the stigmatization of dance music by the counterculture during the period so um you know and you look at like the original audiences they were usually um not white and not straight Yeah. So it was this whole movement, sort of like an underground movement, I guess. It's funny to think that disco was the sound of the underground Mm -hmm. and that it gained widestream popularity. And, you know, as many things, that is ultimately what killed it. Right. Um, You know, disco became like this. It started as like the sound of Donna Summer and it ended as the sound of Ethel Merman. (laughs) And it was just kind of like ate itself as many things did in the early 80s. Um, Ed, you're really into... uh, as you said, dance music in all forms. Currently, uh, you, you're really into kind of techno and dubstep. Uh, do you draw a line between disco and dubstep? Or do you see them as kind of coming from separate places? I think dubstep is the like grungeification of, of disco to finally like to give it you say that disco like refused to have the gravitas of social commentary. And I'm not going to say that dubstep dubstep could be a reaction to make disco darker (laughs) that is Hmm. true i mean you can uh, at the end of the day like there's lots of elements of disco and even things like nine inch nails like the industrial movement uh took a lot of of disco as well though a a big nine inch nails fan would punch me if i said that (laughs) um sammy i can only imagine you've heard the uh saturday night fever soundtrack and that is one of my favorite episodes of glee (laughs) (laughs) uh what do, do you remember that particular episode of Glee where they just did all the songs from Saturday Night Fever? Do you know how many times I've watched that episode? <laughs> I can't even count how many times I've watched that episode. Um, well, I'll get into this one later because it involves somebody else's pick. But um, yeah, no, I loved that episode. I watched that movie. Um, oh, okay. You guys are going to laugh at me. What was the um, before videotapes, the really like um, disc looking, not, not laser, like, disc. laser disc. The what? Laser disc. I think so. Yeah, my grandma had um, Saturday Night Fever on that, and mm-hmm. so it was one of the few movies she had on that. So yeah. uh, we watched it when I was probably eleven. Oh my! So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Was it the PG thirteen version or was it the uh, original R rated version? Probably the original R rated version. Yikes. But you know, I, it's you know, I'm <laughs> quite a bit older now, so I don't remember it that well. So yeah. I guess nothing really stood out. Right. That was bad, but, <laughs> but I, mean, I love the music. 
that movie is heavy. Like, despite the music, like we mostly remember it for the music and, and the, the white suit and, and the, the dancing on the checkered floor. floor. Yeah, but that movie is so heavy. Yeah, the strut. Yeah, the movie's so heavy at the end. Oh, it is. Well, it's funny because when um, when it first came out, yeah, in the theaters, it was the R-rated version, but it was so popular, and the music was so popular, and everybody was so into it. They actually edited a version, which I don't, you know, I've never compared the two back to back, but I did see the PG-13 version in the theater, and it was like they had to. They they were they were missing this huge part of you know this huge demographic that wanted you know listening to the music but couldn't see the movie because it was technically r and i think it was i think it was something as simple as them um like blurring out in a in a strip club blurring out the naked ladies dancing in the background and they cut a couple curse words too they end up cutting like a minute something really wasn't that much but yeah it's interesting to think now too that uh saturday night fever came out after disco was uncool and it kind of brought back disco in a way well i mean it's also attributed to making it more mainstream and acceptable for you know straight men that's true like that was a big thing that it was kind of known for that's a good point bringing it um and and, and maybe that's what killed it maybe that's maybe (laughs) making it mainstream is what killed it well that's that's what killed grunge that's what killed gangster rap i mean that's most (laughs) most great underground genres are killed by making them mainstream and then putting them in a bud light commercial (laughs) it's usually what does it that is a very effective way to do it yeah (laughs) yeah when your mom and pops like it you're like ugh, i don't like it anymore exactly it makes it uncool Well, let's get into it. Uh, we have four great disco songs to talk about tonight. Actually, we have three great disco songs and one song that I'm really excited to talk about, if it's disco or not. So we're I'm gonna, on the same page we're, with I'm you. I'm super <laughs> into it. So that's why I love talking about these topics. Uh, I'm going first because I won last week. Uh, and, you know... When you Google the best disco songs, as I always I was, do, I, when I when I saw that you picked this song, Josh, I was like, "Of course you did." <laughs> so, of well, course, he kind of had to though, because I would have, I, I would have eventually changed mine if he didn't. So. You can't talk about disco without Donna Summer. She is and, the queen. Uh, so I had another song that kind of in mind, but then when p- all the picks came out, I was like, we can't have this conversation without Donna Summer. And uh, after that, I had Googled um, the uh, uh, the top 50 songs of disco, according to Rolling Stone magazine, and no exaggeration, the top seven were all Donna Summer. And they were all I jams. Saw, I saw that list. They, <laughs> I, were, yeah. they were all jams. And the magic of Donna Summer was this kind of combination of this gospel singer who was just so sultry and sexy and and just kind of like Donna Summer like her voice constantly sounds like it's awakening to something like like I feel love was kind of one of her earlier hits and I feel love like literally sounds like somebody going through puberty like it's this amazing experience to listen to and you combine Donna Summer um, with her gospel roots and her giant voice I mean she ended her career singing gospel and combine that with Giorgio Moroder the French uh, producer beat master 
the man who created what disco sounds like and you just created these otherworldly things um this actually was not number one on that 50s list or that top disco songs uh i think the number one was probably i feel love um my favorite by far donna summer song is last dance so uh it's funny to play this as our first song of the evening (laughs) but let's go ahead and take a listen to last dance by donna summer So that's that is last dance by donna summer uh donna summer she's actually from mission hill boston massachusetts uh, i did not know that i didn't either i uh, knew she was local ish but yeah there you go uh you know she got her start as a backup singer uh, for three dog night um i think she did some session work she did some modeling uh and uh she was kind of discovered and she became the queen of disco uh sure her first song was love to love you she wrote that with giorgio Moroder, kind of brought him a demo and he polished it off and that became a huge hit for just about everybody involved last dance comes from 1978 which is probably the height of disco i mean the great like that death of disco anti-disco rally was in 79 so it was definitely right around the end there mm-hmm. uh you know disco didn't truly die until maybe 82 um and this is actually from thanks god it's friday which i assume this song was its own thing oh i always assumed this song was just like a single by Donna Summer, but it was actually recorded for a movie called Thank God It's Friday from 1978. If you guys haven't seen this, it's hilarious. Thank God It's Friday is like everybody, a bunch of people at a disco uh, on a Friday night. And it's just kind of all the different lives of people running around this disco and like the DJ and and uh, uh, a very young Jeff Goldblum is in this movie. A very young, creepy Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, 
Oh, it's a uh, young Deborah Winger. Is it the Commodores in this the one? The Commodores. Yes. There's so many great storylines. Okay. Like if you're going to watch any disco movie from the 70s, this is the one you need to see. It's so good. It, it, it's we definitely. It. Oh, no. Thank God it's Friday is actually pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I People like I often confuse it with uh, the, the Village People's movie, which is not very good. Oh, God. <laughs> um, can't stop the music. Can't stop the music. That was oh. a terrible movie. With uh, Not as bad as the Apple. Though. With Steve Gutenberg, the goot. Uh, that's not a disco movie the apple oh come on i mean it's terrible yeah but okay <laughs> anyway <laughs> thank god it's friday from 1978 it is super fun this song was written by paul jabara uh, apparently um he trapped he he locked uh donna summer in a hotel bathroom in puerto rico and forced her to listen to his demo <laughs> <laughs> she thought it, there was something to it and uh turned it over to Giorgio Moroder and uh uh bob esty who were, they were kind of the partners in crime and they, you know, broke it out and added the second section and, and really made it the song that we know it today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unique in a lot of ways. It's unique because it was a giant hit. Uh, it's unique because it was one of, it's considered one of the first disco ballads. Uh, I maybe only, I mean, disco wasn't really known for its ballads. Um, and yet it had that great tempo change halfway through. I mean, it's very theatrical and it's very fun and you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's the last dance, last chance for romance. I mean, she's she's not talking too deep. It's just kind of like, so come on, baby. Last dance, baby. I mean, it's you got one more chance and uh, let's seize the moment and uh, get one last dance before the end of the night because... That's all we have left. I used to close. Uh, I used to close nights at the at the disco when I was a DJ on a cruise ship. I used to play this every night at the end of the night. Uh, you want to clear a dance floor? Play the first three minutes of Last Dance. <laughs> you want to fill the dance floor? Play the last three minutes of Last Dance. Uh, it's just infectious. The groove on this song is so infectious. Her her voice is so infectious, and the big hook, the tonight at the end of the hook, uh, it's it's just great, man. I love the digital strings. It's one of the few times where I'm just like, bring me some synthesizer strings. Let's just get those in there. Um, and there's a lot of like. Giorgio Moroder at his best, I think, was combining the digital instruments and the real instruments. And he does some really great stuff on here. Uh, some great guitar work on this song. Actually, there's some even better guitar work in Ed's song, but we'll get to that one. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just I, I think you can't deny Last Dance by Donna Summer. I mean, she was the queen of disco. And in my opinion, this is her best song. Uh, Jennifer, what do you think of Last Dance by Donna Summer? This is... It's a pretty perfect song, and there's nothing I can really add or, you know, try to debate you on the song. Everything you said (laughs) is so true. Um, And, yeah, her voice, her voice is just so beautiful, and, you know, just hearing it kind of swell like that in the beginning, the the ballad part is just kind of brings me back. Yeah, I mean, she was such a killer singer, Mm -hmm. and disco wasn't really... a genre for like great vocals you know no it was more uh, about the beat it was in yeah. and not even the lyrics i mean the lyrics were pretty throwaway in a lot of songs and it was maybe, about the groove it was, you know yeah it was about the dance exactly it was about the backbeat but like this song is just she was such a great singer yeah. and this is one of those great ones where not only was she a great singer but that it's fun mm-hmm. you know she was able to bring both of those things yeah and if you do if you do see the movie and uh, if you do if you do watch uh thank god it's friday and you you see her performing this and seeing her evolution as a performer as she as she progresses through the song she she gains confidence and it's just it's really pretty perfect so i'm, I'm not surprised that it was 
not that it was an original song for the movie just because it's so perfect in her storyline about you know how she was trying to you know break into break into the industry and but she just all she needed to make it big was to have her her one song heard you know played by a dj like that's how you were discovered you were just you know if you could get your if you get your track to a dj and they played it and the people on the dance floor liked it that was it you were you were a star <laughs> uh sammy um what what do you think about donna summer's last dance um i i don't have any issue with the song i've just never cared for it um oh. i don't know it's uh, it's a good song i think all of your points are fair it's just never one that i really liked um i one of the songs on my list was uh selma houston don't leave me this way and that's kind of the mm-hmm. type of songs i prefer the soaring I, I don't know i just I, I like the vocals better on that one like you said, the lyrics aren't really important in disco, but I just, I like a bit more of a melody, I guess. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I think the melody's killer, but, uh, but <laughs> all right, point taken. Ed, what do you think about Donna Summer's Last Dance? I was going to say, I, when I was considering this week, I, I was thinking about Donna Summer and I was thinking about this song strictly because the melody kills. It kills. So I just I like like it's so iconic. You could like it 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 like it's a disco ballad. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> like it, it's as you said. I love the synth elements. I love the real world instrument. This is this is the song I was like seriously considering taking, and I'm glad you took it, even though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even though it's <laughs> pretty obvious, choice, but it, 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 it's an obvious choice. But it needs it. It needs to be said mm-hmm. so. Well, let's, uh, Sammy, I'll give you the last word. Sammy, I want to give you the last word. What uh, uh, what doesn't work about this song for you? Can you put a finger on it? Uh, I, I can't really. I mean, um, I, I'm not saying it's a bad melody, but for me it's a little repetitive and low. I like melodies that soar a little bit higher. And I know at the end she does. I don't know. It just wasn't for me. Okay. Well, uh, that is my pick for this week. Uh, Donna Summer's Last Dance. And Ed, Jennifer, pick a number between 1 and 10. 7. Ed, pick a number between 1 and 10. 3. Guys, it's 4. It's always 4. It is always 4. It's always 4. Ed, you're up next. Uh, what did you bring? Actually, you get to choose. Do you want to go next or do you want to go after No, I'll go, I'll go next. That's All right, Ed, you're up next. What did you bring for this Disco Songs Beatdown? Um, as, I, as we're talking about disco, I'm realizing, I mean, you sort of made this point at the beginning, Josh, that disco is about, is like the first, maybe not the first, but is a genre that embraced the theatricality. And I'm, I'm now, see, I'm now, that, now that you said that, my eyes are open to that. Not that, <laughs> not that, that wasn't obvious, but I don't know. Anyways, uh, I brought Diana Ross's Mirror Mirror, which is arguably not a disco song. One can make the argument, <laughs> but when I was thinking about disco, I was like, oh, like, who are the disco artists? I was like, Donna Summer, Bee Gees, and like, I was like, okay, there must be like, like, else I could find in here. And I, I, the, I, the reason I wanted to go with the Diana Ross, because I feel like she's Diana Ross's Motown, like, inherently. So I was like, oh, like, she had this disco era, and this is kind of not quite exactly in her disco house but i was like listening to a bunch of her songs on the spotify's and this song and i heard it i heard the guitar line was killer the sax was killer and i was like this is the song i'm going with i don't care if it's not exactly disco 
I'm opening the world to this poorly charting song from 1981 by Diana Ross, and that is Mirror Mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall. You said you had the answer to it all. You never told me I'd take a fall. a disco song is at the end of the day I was like you could really groove to this song like really groove to it so that was and I actually listening to it now I like I'm I'm seeing the importance of this moment in musical history as as the bridge between disco and what Janet Jackson later became so so I it's kind of an interstitial song but I still think it's solid the lyrics are are about how uh, Diana or the, the the protagonist of the song was like she had she went to these fairy tales and they promised her all these things and life ain't, re- ain't life ain't a fairy tale so she's like so she's like salty and she's like mirror tell me the damn answer <laughs> like she's literally pleading at the end mirror tell me mirror tell me so so yes I disco song but it's a great song that's disco-ish it's in the disco tradition for sure it it, you know it's it's funny because it's not one of diana rosa's diana rosa's diana ross's most disco songs that said like i would put her in the holy trinity of disco like Mm -hmm. i think like i'm coming out is one of the most definitively disco songs uh even though Diana Ross isn't remembered as a disco artist, um, I think that she had a really impressive, significant disco period. So for sure, I think you can stake your claim on this. It's not her most disco song. That's true. I don't know. I, I think there's some really cool elements in this song. Um, and I do like the, the the story, Ed. I like that this is like a, a disco song with some real lyrical content. Like, she is talking about something. It's it's still light and fluffy and fun, but she's she's uh, she's talking about some real stuff. I kind of dig that aspect of it. Jennifer, what did you think of Mirror Mirror by Diana Ross? I gotta admit, I haven't heard this one in a long, long time. I mean, this was like the tail end, I guess, of disco. It's 81. It, yeah, it's been yeah. around that time. Um, and I I guess, you know, it's like at first when you said you were going to pick it, I was like, oh, is it disco? Because I think of it more like a just an R&B song. But it is, you know, it is one of her more dancier ones. Maybe not as dancey as, you know, I'm coming out. Um, 
the other one that we can't think of at the top of our head. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it has it has a lot of the the right elements for it. I just I wish it, you know I, I wish you'd picked something a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more like like this is more like the 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 the, the not a slow dance, but not a fast dance. It's one of the more the ones where you kind of catch your breath a little bit, and you maybe you're just swaying a little bit more on the dance floor <laughs> as opposed to like grinding it out. In the year of 2012, Josh <laughs> accused me of my uh-huh. undying love for mid-tempo songs, oh. and he might be, and he might be right. <laughs> that is funny. I don't remember doing that, but I can totally see myself doing that. <laughs> so, so there you go. Yeah, but she's she is the queen too. She's like, I couldn't say anything bad about her. Questionable. Uh, Sammy, what did you think of Mirror Mirror by Diana Ross? I'm going to be honest, and I've never heard that song before until uh, today, but um, I'm not going to throw stones and say it's not a disco song, considering my pick that will come later. Um, I, it was enjoyable. It sounded a little bit more like, mid, you know, kind of some of the musical styles we're more familiar with from the 80s. It did have some disco elements, though, and it was really funky. I kind of liked that. I think um, if it had a bass line instead of a guitar line in the beginning, it would have been a little bit more disco, but That's it was a good, a good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. This is definitely her transitioning out of disco. Like mm-hmm. there are disco elements to this song, but you can definitely hear much more of the the kind of uh, horns that came up in the 80s and and the more kind of uh, uh, synthetic drums that started popping up around the 80s. I, 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 I agree with you. This is this is definitely a transition song out of disco as opposed to into it. Uh, but yeah, so that is Ed's pick this week for uh, Disco Week, Mirror Mirror by Diana Ross. Let's turn it over to Jennifer. Jennifer, what did you bring? Oh, for? I brought disco. You brought some straight up disco. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to blurt it out. I brought the Bee Gees, the Brothers Gib. I brought <laughs> You Should Be Dancing. It took me so many years to figure out what BG stood oh, yeah. for, <laughs> like what that meant. Right. Well, okay. So like also in the seventies and or I guess more in the eighties, Andy Gibb, the other brother who was not in the Bee Gees, yes. was a really big, you know, teen idol. Shadow so. dancing, man. That song's mine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, yes. So uh, you should be dancing was written in seventy six by the brothers Gibb, and it was before it made it to the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack it was actually on another one of their albums which was called children of the world and it came out in 76 um it hit number one for a week in america and tracked really well around the world but really kind of made its name for itself in 77 when it came out in uh saturday fever and you know we keep talking about you know what is a disco song what is a disco song it also has to me a really good disco song has all of the sound elements it has the the strings and the horns and you know electric rhythm guitar and electric piano and it has all of that another thing which i never identified myself but again researching um it's no um songs with a uh, a prominent syncopated rhythm or electric bass line hmm. which kind of breaks it up a little bit makes it very uh, dynamic and exciting i think it also helps you know like create the dance crazy dance moves on the dance floor so anyhow so you should be dancing uh one of the five songs that the Bee Gees did for the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack they actually wrote a sixth song which um which is the one uh that Sammy just mentioned by Yvonne Elman 
Huh. Yep, they wrote that as well, If I Can't Have You, and, which is a beautiful, beautiful disco ballad. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, this is my pick. It's a straightforward song. It, it, it has it in the name, You Should Be Dancing. Yeah, one thing, one great thing about the brothers Gibb is they did not hesitate to get to the hook. Yeah. <laughs> they they wrote killer hooks, and they mm-hmm. were in a big rush to get there. <laughs> you know, and it it took me years to figure out what they were saying. Like we we when we would try to sing, it would just be like making sounds. What you doing and, on what, your back? What you doing on your back? Uh? <laughs> uh, what you doing on your back? Yeah, you should be dancing. <laughs> so yes, this is probably the signature song from Saturday Night Fever, even more so than uh, the title song. Um, and the album sold, the soundtrack sold over 50 million copies and solidified the Bee Gees as a disco act, which is kind of funny because like prior to that, they probably would have been least, loosely considered Blue-Eyed Soul. Hmm. More, more um, a little, yeah, very, very different for them. Um, and this song actually marks the first time that uh, Mr. Barry Gibb used his falsetto voice. Huh. Which was now his signature, and I think yeah. he probably can't sing any other way. Well, he can. He can't really <laughs> sing, but <laughs> but that's okay. We have you know Justin Timberlake to take over. <laughs> if he wanted to. So yeah. So I mean, this this song, it just to me, I it just is so disco. Everything about it, you know, disco is not only a genre of music; it's a type of dance. This is. You know the the song. You know, sending you on the dance floor, making you move. Um, you know, little little naughty, little little bit of you know, salaciousness going on here. But you know, my baby moves at midnight, goes right out until the dawn. My woman takes me higher. My woman keeps me warm. <laughs> I mean, it's just a great song. Yeah, no, that's a this is a killer track. Uh, Sammy, what do you think of uh, what do you think of "You Should Be Dancing" by the Bee Gees? If you aren't dancing while that song was playing, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> You're yeah. dead inside. <laughs> yeah. um, we talked earlier about the um, the the Glee Saturday Night Fever episode, yes. and this might be my favorite number that they ever did. It was um, Blaine and Brittany and Mike, and they did this. It's it was so great. Uh, and so I was dancing the whole time that song was playing. It was on my list. It's a great song. 
That is a killer one. Ed, what do you think of uh, the Bee Gees' You Should Be Dancing? And one sec, Ed, before you talk. Okay, go ahead. It's, like, honestly, it's like one of those ubiquitous disco songs. This one, Staying Alive, the Bee Gees are disco. It's interesting to, it's interesting to say that it could that it could have be framed as blue-eyed soul beforehand. Like, time has washed all that away. To me, they're just a disco act. It's a great <laughs> song. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's fun. It, it has the, uh, it has everything you want in a disco song. It's, it, it's interesting, though, that most big disco acts, I think with the exception of probably Donna Summer, were something before disco. Because, yeah, the mm-hmm. Bee Gees before disco were a blue-eyed soul band. Mm-hmm. Casey and the Sunshine Band were a funk band. Yeah. Uh, you know the Commodores were a funk band, and everybody were the village kind of people something else. Uh, the Village People, yeah, uh, no, they they were kind of manufactured. They were kind of like the monkeys, they were they were a club manufactured uh, <laughs> yeah. group. I mean, well, and again, if you consider if if you know you take the wiki for its word, you know, disco is a combination of funk, soul, pop, and salsa. So you you've got all those elements, and then that dance beat that just gets you moving. Yeah. No, I mean, you you can't say enough good stuff about this song and the Bee Gees in general. I mean, they, they wrote all those, they wrote those jams, man. Yeah. Like Barry Gibb just laid it down and you had Morris and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Robin. Robin. Thank you. Yeah. Morris and Robin. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, they were just, I mean, they were so synonymous at the time. They were inescapable. And yeah. yet they they were huge at the time. And then they brought the whole genre back yeah. from from death effectively like <laughs> every time there's a resurgence of disco the bgs are at the front of that resurgence and there's you just can't say enough about it because on the one hand yeah it's silly disco but the songs are so good i guess after you know disco was officially dead um you know they they obviously had a very strong prolific pop career as well yeah and even even up until like 10 years ago Barry Gibb was talking, um, you know, an interviewer said something about, you know, their disco roots and the backlash and everything. And he's like, you know, it doesn't matter how much time passes. Every time he, he you know, thinks about that, he gets really tied up inside. He's like, my mouth goes dry because I don't even want to talk about the disco backlash. <laughs> it was like, an, I mean, unfortunately, a very painful thing. And yeah, they've become a bit of a parody. But I mean, I think they've also... They're, because their work is so enduring and everybody knows it yes they're ubiquitous with disco or yeah. synonymous with disco it's it is still unfortunately hard for him to hear that there is some uh some backlash on it i mean it's it's hard to talk about disco without it, at least you know if you're a music nerd it's mm-hmm. hard to talk about disco without talking about the disco backlash which mm-hmm. was like started in 79 and kind of by the end of 82 was there was just a huge rejection of the music mm-hmm. and really just a, a a, a total abandoning of people yeah. like the Bee Gees who had a lot of pretty tough years, you know, Casey from Casey and the sunshine band famously like going into hiding for like yeah. a decade The the industry moved on so quickly and dramatically um, and just kind of abandoned a lot of people and left them with no place to go. And I think uh, the top, the, the, the champions of this genre just disappeared off the map. And it wasn't just the music, it was also the scene itself. Like if you think about, you know, the, the, the dance club scene in the, you know, around 80 versus, you know, even two years later, you know, the, the drugs, AIDS, 
you know, everything was just kind of happening and coming upon this whole culture yeah. that it was, it really couldn't recover. Yeah, it kind of, uh, like a giant building fell on an entire culture. Yeah. And they, they kind of, you know. And the major players in it. Like, exactly. You know, yeah, the, 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 the people that built up this culture were now getting taken down. Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting time. There's a yeah. lot of great stories about disco, like how quickly it imploded. Uh, or really was destroyed. It, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't destroy itself the way things that like grunge kind of ate itself. Disco just died. Yeah. Like the people just decided they didn't like it anymore. Uh, well, that is Jennifer's pick this week. You should be dancing by the Bee Gees. And last but not least, let's turn it over to our guest, Sammy. Sammy, what did you bring for this disco beatdown? Okay. Well, I. It took a long time to figure out a song. Um, I, like you were talking about in the open or early on, or um, I kind of went just did a quick top uh, top disco songs, and you know I picked like about a dozen, but this one I was actually surprised was on the list of top disco songs. Um, and I'll just go ahead and say I picked um, Sugar Hill Gang's "Rapper's Delight," which you know isn't exactly the first thing you think about when you think of disco songs, but if you listen to it again, it's very much. A disco song in that it's got the disco beat borrowed from well borrowed is a loose term um from chic's uh, good times mm-hmm. which is actually um kind of how that song came to be in that um blondie and chic were opening up for i believe it was um the clash and they started playing chic started playing good times and uh, fab five freddy and the members of sugar hill gang hopped up on stage and started freestyling with the band wow. unfortunately they chose to um steal that bass line uh they ended up settling with chic and gave them um writing credits on the song so it worked out um but that's kind of how that song came to be the sugar hill gang was put together they kind of you know they weren't really like an organic group that came together in fact for um it's hard to think of the song really as a hip hop song. It's more of a pop disco song because it's one of the key parts of early hip hop is kind of authenticity and there's nothing really authentic <laughs> in this song. Um, not only was the music borrowed, um, the lines were freely given from another MC and yeah. he received a shout out in the song. Um, but you know, all of that aside, it really kind of brought, it's credited as being the first mainstream hip-hop song and it was during the disco era and it was brought about through disco mm-hmm. um and i don't know let's go ahead and play it The boogity bang bang, the boogie to the boogity beat. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike, and I like to say hello. Up to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, and the purple and yellow. But first I gotta bang bang the boogie to the boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the bang bang boogie. Let's rock. You don't stop, rock the rhythm that'll make your body rock. Well, so. You've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along 
And next on the mic is my man Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. Check it out. When I'm imp, the dimp, the ladies pimp, the women fight for my delight. But I'm the grand master with the three MCs that shop the house for the young ladies. And when you come inside into the front, you do the freak bank, I do the bump. And when the sucker MCs try to prove a point with Trent's trio, I win the serious joiner from sun to sun and from day to day. I sit down and write a brand new rhyme because they say that miracles never cease. I've created a devastating masterpiece. I'm gonna rock the mic so you can't resist. Everybody, I say it goes like this when I was coming home late one dark afternoon. Reporter stopped me for an interview. She said she's heard stories and she's heard fables that are vicious on the mic and the turntable. This young reporter. So the Sugar Hill Gang, you know, famously Wonder Mike, Master G, and. Uh, Oh gosh! At the time, I, I mean, there was pretty much two of. I don't know. I, no, it, there's three of them. Hank gets cut out in the radio versions. Oh, okay. It, I mean, a band that was just there's so much strife. Like the story of how they kind of came together, or were put together, and then had their names stolen, and it, it's really, it's really something what they went through. The Sugar Hill Gang back in the day. It, yeah, and um, I was actually going to add some some more info on. Like, well, just in the recording of the song, they hired. Um, a bass player and a drummer to come in and they they recorded the the full length 15 minute version in one take um, and the drummer and the bass player had to play perfectly that beat for 15 minutes and wow. they were only paid $70. Um, oh that was something I found interesting that they did it in one take and there are three different versions. There's the the full length uh, that they recorded, you know, and they've there's a seven minute version and uh, I think a five minute version. Um, and my mom always talked about when she was a teenager, or, you know, this came out in what, 79? So when she, you know, she was a late teenager, uh, she and my aunt used to listen to the song on the radio all the time and they would play it like competing with other songs and they would play it in its entirety, like the whole 15 minutes. Wow. Over and over again. So my aunt like learned all the words and, you know, one of the things that made it kind of um, brought to my mind was that my mom always talked about roller skating to it. And when I think disco for me, I think roller skating because that's what my mom always talked about her and my aunt. Um, <laughs> and then, but what's funny to me is that, okay, so despite all the strife that you mentioned, it's still, it's listed as the, um, is right in the middle of the Rolling Stones 500 greatest songs of all time. It's number two on VH1's 100 Greatest Hip Hop Songs. It's on NPR's list of the most important American musical works of the century. And it is in the National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress. All of that for something that kind of came together a little dodgily. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you pretty much got Sylvia Robinson, Robinson um, yeah. just pulling these three kids off the street. And I, I think there's some amazing story where she just like got out of her car and was like, do you guys rap? And they were like, yeah. And then so one of them said, or, and then another guy was like, yeah, I'll come. And so they all hopped in the car, went to her house and recorded the song. Like, it sounds like it was just kind of thrown together by people that really had no experience in the music industry and just stumbled onto one of the biggest hits of all time. Uh, well, and um, there is a quote from Grandmaster Flash when he first heard it on the radio. He's like, who are those guys? Because they weren't part of the scene. You yeah. know, there was the underground hip hop scene and they weren't part of it. And is it is it Grandmaster Flash that actually wrote one of the verses that one of the other guys stole or just kind of recorded? No. Oh, okay. That was... Um, Hold on. Okay. Or I think it was Kaz. I think it was Grandmaster Kaz who did Yeah, that. it's Casanova Fly. Yeah. 
yeah i mean for a song that was really thrown together it's had such an amazing lasting impact you know it's when you first said that you were going to do this song i was kind of like is it disco but now that we play it in the context of the other songs i mean we're looking at 79 like we're looking at a sample of you know good times by chic which is very much a disco song and it you know, hip hop really did start with with sampling disco and funk records and, you know, because they were so long and a lot of them had uh, instrumental versions. You would just sample those records and didn't sample them. You, you know, played them on turntables and looped them. Um, you tried to find the get down. You've watched that Netflix show. Well, yeah, that's what it sounds like. The you know the 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 creation of this song. That's what I was totally envisioning. You know, three kids being pulled off the street, getting into a car, and just like making music history. <laughs> uh, Sammy, can you can you sing along to all the lyrics of this song? God no, <laughs> not even the radio version. And that's only the. Five minutes long. <laughs> uh, Ed, what do you what do you think about "Rapper's Delight" as a disco song? At first, I didn't think it was a disco song, but now that now that it's in context, now that we're now that we're like listening to it with everything, in the end, it's it's fun, it's and it's playful, and it has it, you could groove to it, and it's of the right era, and I guess I guess I'm like loosening on my terms of disco, so I, I'm I'm into it as, as a solid, like things like things have to transition to other things, and this was just disco apparently transitioning to the ultimate twist of 50 cent doing a song called disco inferno way later like (laughs) this is how how it works that's awesome uh jennifer what do you think about rapper's delight okay i think uh sammy's mom and aunt and i need to hang out all the time because (laughs) i too although i was in my younger teens um i used to go to the ballaroo which is a roller skating place every saturday afternoon they took a roller disco lessons and <laughs> i even had a little skirt a little outfit and um the first time i heard this song was at the ballaroo and it was insane because most songs you know were like maybe three to five minutes long oh my gosh we were exhausted by the end of this because we you know you just kept going while the music was going and You'd only get off the floor if the song changed or something like that. You never left mid-song. And this was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. And it, to me, it was it was k- kind of revolutionary. Um, I do, in, in my mind, see it more of, more of a little bit of a hip-hop song because it was so different from the other disco songs that we were performing to. But um, I, I just love this song. It's, it's funny, on the Wikipedia page, I assume you saw this, Sammy, uh, on the Wikipedia page where it lists the people that performed on the track, you know, they have Wonder Mike on vocals, Big Hank, Big Bang Hank on vocals, Master G on vocals, Turntables Unknown. Yeah. <laughs> and it took them a long time to track down the other people who were on it, too, because like you, know, like you mentioned, um, they're just kind of rounding people up to see who would do it. Yeah, it's kind and of basically amazing. the requirements for the bass player and the drummer were, can you do this for 15 minutes without messing up? <laughs> <laughs> There's a great Ice-T quote, too. They asked Ice-T about this song, and he was like, when we first heard it, my first thought was, wow, it's so short. Because at the time, hip hop was this improvisational thing where like every song was 45 minutes long because you only had so many records. So the guy well, would just like lay down a beat. They didn't want to record hip hop songs because they considered it to be more of a live, like live art, not ah. something that would do well recorded. 
That totally makes sense. I mean, and now it's it's the dominant uh, dominant monetary force in popular music. So, uh, how much the world has changed. Apparently, there's a great podcast right now um, about the formation of hip hop, and one of the first great hip hop producers worked with Russell Simmons called Mogul. Have you guys heard this? It's on the uh, Gimlet Network. No. And uh, there, it's a lot about like the formation of hip hop at the time, and okay. and uh, how it became, you know, a monetary focus. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I, somebody should check it out and and text me and say, tell me if it's any good. Well, I mean, and the other thing about this, it's like, and you mentioned the get down. We never finished the first season, but it's amazing how organic and how collaborative this music was yeah and how it was like an evolution and so much of it is familiar but yet different and so like even when it starts off um when it when it goes into the guitar section i'm to- all i can hear is another one bites of dust mm. when, when you hear that bass and it's like i was like oh my gosh and then and then you hear something else and then they start rapping and <laughs> it's it's a crazy what a crazy time to you know have all this amazing stuff created yeah just an amazing matter of timing yeah yeah well that is a uh, sammy's pick this week for disco week rapper's delight uh now we'll go around the circle and everybody can make one last uh one last choice for why you should vote for their song and make them the winner we will have one winner and everybody else uh only gets to listen to that one ethel merman record where she <laughs> does no business like show business as a disco song it's fucking terrible uh okay uh my pick this week was last dance by donna summer um you know if if you're gonna talk about disco you gotta talk about donna summer and uh you gotta talk about this song uh i think it's so great i think you heard it and uh it's the best thing i mean i can say a lot of great things about last dance it was a number one dance song in america it was number five on the r&b hip-hop charts uh it was number three on the billboard hot 100 uh it won an academy award and a golden globe for best original song favorite disco single at the american music awards and donna won favorite female disco artist uh it's gotten all the accolades and it's really a fantastic song uh the one thing is that some songs are so good they survive getting played at every wedding you've ever been to. And this is one of them. Celebrate Good Times is not. This song has survived the gazillion times it got played at weddings. It still holds up. And that's why you should vote for Donna Summer's Last Dance. Ed, why should people vote for your song, Mirror Mirror by Diana Ross? Now, Josh, I hear your long list of accolades about <laughs> Last Dance. But Diana Ross's mirror mirror was a top 10 single (laughs) whoa (laughs) that's 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 all i got um uh guitar licks are legit you know you love some sax and this is like to me like the best parts of 80s with some of the best parts of disco in this night's lyrical package so give mirror mirror a chance all right. Jennifer, why should people vote for the Bee Gees? You should be dancing. Because it's the greatest disco dance song ever. All right. I get more than that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, this is really going to be a battle between yeah. Bee Gees, Donna Summer, I, for real. Apparently, all you have to do is say something is the best, and it is these days. So <laughs> It's huge, Jennifer. It's huge. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's even better 
if you say people are saying it's the best. They, yeah, I don't know what they're talking about, but yeah, people are saying so. It must be true. Must be true. All right. Well, okay. So this this is essential disco. It it has you know it has that twangy electric guitar it's got the horns it's got that syncopated rhythm which i just discovered today what it was um (laughs) it's so synonymous with one of the greatest dance movies ever and um okay so this song despite there being a song called night fever in the the movie uh this song is the one that they used during uh john travolta's famous dance sequence and the, actually the reason that it's used in that is because this was the song that he practiced to and then when he when he practiced his dance moves and kind of created his signature stance and everything yes i'm, I'm using a lot of hand pointing finger motion things that nobody's gonna get um so during the filming he was he would practice to uh you should be dancing and then when they said okay we're gonna we're gonna record the scene now um but we're gonna use night fever he's like no no, you can't redo the thing. So they redid the whole <laughs> thing for John Travolta. And there you go. That's why we have that signature pointing pose. That's funny. Uh, and last but not least, Sammy, why should people vote for your song, Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang? Well, look, I'm not going to lie to you and say this is the most iconic disco song of all time because we know it's not. But what it is, is it's a great song. It's a historically great song. Whether the origin, the origins are sketchy or not, uh, you listen to the song, like, if, if this song comes on in your car and you reach your house, you don't get out of that car until that song's over. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, like, the six-minute version. Don't sit for the 15-minute version. <laughs> but, I mean, and I'm not the only one that feels that way. It's a fun song. It's got fun lyrics. It talks about going to dinner at your friend's house and the food's really bad and you get sick. I mean, you can't relate to that. So, you know, it, it was... It, it, it's a fun song. Everybody loves it. It transitioned into hip-hop but started from disco so i think that it counts and i think it's a great song the oh. best song <laughs> well that is sammy's people are pick. telling me it's the best song oh there it is well played that's stuck the party the, line stuck the landing uh, well uh, now dear listeners it is time for you to vote on which of our songs is the best disco song that you heard this week you can vote by going to beatdownpodcast.podbean.com that's beatdownpodcast.com podbean.com where you'll find a poll and you can vote for your favorite one you can also find us on twitter at beatdownpod and on facebook at beatdownpodcast or email me at beatdownpodcast at gmail.com and uh you know that's pretty cool so uh yeah that's it for us uh we'll be back next week um i'm not 100 sure what our topic is yet but it's going to be one of two uh and that's exciting so that's it for us. Uh, let's uh, let's go around the circle one more time. Sammy, if people want to find you online, where should they go? On Twitter at, um, at Sammy Higgins. That's S-A-M-I-H-I-G-G-I-N-S. All right. And Ed, if people want to find you, where should they look? Uh, well, you already know where to find me. But my, my PSA for the week is <laughs> everyone go to Amazon and buy the Illuminati board game. The Illuminati board game. Oh, I'm Googling this it's right so now. It's so good. It's so good. Okay. All right. Jennifer, if people want to find you online, where should they go? Other, th- uh, Let me just distract you from Googling <laughs> the <laughs> Illuminati board game. <laughs> well, you'll find me and my Diane von Fustenberg wrap dress. Oh, nice. On Instagram and Twitter at Jenny B. Creative. Jenny with an I. 
<laughs> and the letter B. And you can find me on all the things at Josh Burnell, B-U-R-N-E-L-L. And uh, that is it for us. We'll be back next week for another Beatdown. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Beatdown is a production of us and is recorded in the office attached to our garage. Our theme song is Optimism by the Numbers by Brian Lerner and used with his permission. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find the show. The music clips we discuss in this podcast are used in compliance with the U.S. Copyright Act, fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. If you want to listen to the songs we talked about this week in their entirety, visit us on Twitter at BeatdownPod, online at BeatdownPodcast.com, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BeatdownPodcast.